0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of fractal shepherding. And I am joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you. You too, buddy. We, uh, we have an important topic we've never covered before, and it's really important, so we want to get to it. Before we do that, though, we want to just ask you if you have not written a review on iTunes for our podcast, you should go do that. What's wrong with you? I mean, how long does it take? We've been doing Seriously. this for how long? So no, seriously, if if you haven't done that, we'd love for you to do that. It's helpful for us to just get feedback. It spreads the word of the podcast when you add a review there. And so we appreciate those who are faithful listeners to this. And we would ask you to do that if you haven't yet. You can go to practicalshepherding.com also for any additional resources, including being able to contact us if there's any way we can serve you. In fact, Jim, the topic we're going to talk about today came out of someone who contacted us Mm -hmm. about a particular topic, and we want to talk about it, one, because we're trying to we're aim to please if we can, but the other is, this is really important, and it's not talked about that much, and that is the pressure that pastors and their families feel to have to live very modestly in their lifestyle because there's this expectation on many churches, many Christians that... Their pastors are supposed to like not just be not rich, but actually be poor in some ways, and that that's actually part of the calling to not have much at all, other than the basic needs that you that you have. And so we had somebody write in asking, is is, is this is this right? Is this part of the calling? That we're just supposed to just be poor and not have nice things or not get paid much as as a church. Those or I think are- Brian,
1: part of what they're getting at though is even it's not that
0: they they don't have the
1: means. It's that they they feel the pressure to live at least to appear so far below those means that nobody would ever get the idea. Yeah, that you're prospering in any way or that you're able to
0: enjoy any of this blessing in any way so we have two pieces to this then don't we we have the the reality of a lot of pastors don't have a lot they're, mm-hmm. they're not paid very well either because they're not able or I'm gonna go ahead and say the cliche that that a bunch of you listening to this are probably already thinking about that many of us have heard in ministry life is that the church says that that we'll keep them poor and God'll keep them humble right and and that's a cliche for a reason and and there's but it's also a cliche because I know churches that actually really think that that's what they're supposed to do. that's their job that if they keep them poor that it'll help them it'll then God will keep them humble and that's where the pastor is supposed to live in their life. and we want to address this one because a lot of are asking and two, I, I think there's a lot of harmful things in this that there's and there's there's pastors who feel guilty of being able to have anything nice or do anything nice either because it's self-imposed or to your point, the church feels that way, and, and they, they fear the ramifications of even appearing like you're enjoying nice mm-hmm. things. So we need to address this. Will you first, Jim, talk about just biblically how for us to start thinking about this?
1: Yeah, and Brian, I think there's a couple of things that we could talk about here. And, and one is that it, you know, the whole matter of of... Re- whether or not it's right to be paid for doing the work of ministry, and some there are some who deny that even that, but you know I think the Bible does teach quite clearly that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel, and Paul talks about that the elder who um, shepherds well is worthy of double honor, and 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 there is if you exegete that passage there is a. Uh, a, a financial remuneration aspect yeah. to that, you know, don't yeah. don't, don't, muzzle, don't, the don't muzzle the ox. Don't muzzle the ox. Those used those there, kinds right? of, yep. uh, of of passages that teach that Paul's you know statement um, that those who are taught should share in all good things with those who teach, and so there is that aspect of it. And uh, I would mentioned to Brian and Prep that uh, one of the old confessions of faith, and this is over three hundred years old address the issue to congregations and and it talks about you know it's, it talks really about valuing what a pastor does that a man who labors in the word and in prayer and oversees the work of, of ministry watching over souls as those that must give an account that you ought to have a high premium on that and view that not as a, a worthless thing is that you just give a pittance to you know this this um And so it says here that uh, it is incumbent—this is from the London Baptist Confession. London Baptist Confession, okay. uh, It it is incumbent on churches to whom they minister not only to give them all due respect, but also to communicate to them all their good things according to their ability. Now, again, that would mean that obviously it's going to differ from church to church. Right, right. But it is unto the end so that they, that is the pastor, may have a comfortable supply— without being themselves entangled in secular affairs, and may also be capable of exercising hospitality toward others. And this is required by the law of nature and by the express order of the Lord Jesus, who has ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So, you know, there is that one part that says... Again, recognizing we live in the day and age, I and mean, people, you know, like Creflo Dollar and Kenneth Copeland, we that, that ruin us. We're not yeah, talking we're not. about a ridiculously high compensation for little
0: work or something like that. And we like assume that. all of our listeners are agreement, and um, agreement like and, in agreement with that. And yeah. you ought
1: to be worthy of your wages. That's and, right. and that means you don't take advantage, don't be a lazy pastor, actually do the work you're called to do. But if you have that, but if you do that work and, and receive compensation for that work, That you ought not to be ashamed in 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 any given society if if that allows you to to live uh, in, in a way that demonstrates this. I think we would call it a blessing of God upon your labor and upon your ministry there in the church. And what can happen is that you can be and this is really what I what I would be afraid of, is that you are controlled by a fear of man. Yeah. Right. That that thinks that, you know, this lady in the church or this man in the church, if if you show up, you know so if you drove like a nineteen ninety two Dodge Dart, you know, they're okay with that. That's what the pastor should drive. It should have as much rust as is allowable by law. That is the cliche, and, but it, right, it, right, for and you, a reason, you know, too. But if all of a sudden now you you know you, you realize you know we could actually get maybe maybe not a new car but a much newer or newer van, right? That you know with the doors shut and things work and maybe the air conditioning works. Easy. Oh, that well, easy. Well, I know I don't want to get you know, too Just crazy. Let's not go with too this. crazy with this, all right? You know, but but that that if you did that, that you would have a sense not of I should be ashamed of this and hide this, or if we have this, we can't drive this to church. Yeah. What will people think? Think. yeah and um if your wife or ki- wife's able to buy a new dress because you you got a raise or your kids are able to dress a little bit
0: or you better. want your wife to have a nice dress you want her to have a nice thing you yeah. know
1: again some women again there's some women that there's some women who love they love bargains and they love going to goodwill and it makes them happy others are forced to do it almost in such a way that like if somebody says oh that's nice that you say Oh, I only paid a dollar for it, you yeah. know, and, and not like, hey, I got this for a dollar. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. But you have to say it in a way that says, oh, I don't want you to think that we we have too much money or or, or something like that, or, yep. you know, that that the life of ministry is a life of uh, enforced poverty. And so that fear of man, I think, is, is one of the issues that mm-hmm. can be so controlling. That's why the Bible calls it a snare. And Paul said to the Galatians that, that if he were striving to please men, he actually puts it this way, I couldn't be a bondservant of Christ. There's something so fundamentally contrary about the two things. And, and, and Paul reminds us that if we're in Christ, we are Christ-free man, that we're not in bondage to anyone. And those enforced uh, demonstrations of, of, of at least the appearance of poverty or of, of modesty uh, is not something that Scripture compels us to do. It's done out of a fear of man.
0: Yeah, I want to also add to this though, Jim, because you and I, because you and I are in reformed camps, and you the, there's tons of us who've been influenced by John Piper, David Platt, others that you know that that there's this radical call to kind of give everything for the sake of Christ, sell it all, go. And die, uh, you know, die on the mission field, which again is a is a noble call for those God calls in that way. But I even wonder how much that message is getting translated to some other just Christians and even pastors to say I can't enjoy anything. Yeah, nice. feel ashamed. I, you, you... And so I want to I want to highlight that because to your point, uh, the fear is a really important thing for everybody listening to this to be aware of. That, that drives us so often to function like that. And just hearing you describe that, like, oh, I, I can't wear this, or I can't drive, we can't drive this car to church because of what people, what a prison that is to live in. So I think I, I, we want to highlight to you that it's okay to have something nice and be unapologetic about it, uh, not to rub it in people's faces, not to live uh, flamboyantly and, and all those kinds of things, but... But but it to be to feel guilty to have something nice and worried about what church members think, is a is a disastrous way and a miserable way to actually live your life and try to work out your ministry. Having said that, we, we do need to be wise about uh, how how we uh, spend money, how we use things, how we you know the things that we get. But I, I want to push back in this idea that that pastors can't enjoy things and pastors can't have. Have nice things, even if their congregation wants to judge them about it, um, and and I, and I want to make sure that people understand there's a balance with that. Right. That that comes with it. I have a question for you though on this because right. you and I pastor in two totally different areas of the city, and you know you pastor in a in a more affluent area I, mm-hmm. and, and than I do. Your your church has more people who uh, than I do who would. Fall into the uh, more of a wealthy category. So, is it important for me to be more mindful in my church that has people who some who are poor, some who you know work or blue collar workers work hard, two weeks of vacation, they're grinding it out, you know, Mm -hmm. in factories and things. Um, Is it important for me to be more mindful that? And of course, I mean, I'm paid accordingly as well In, Mm -hmm. in a church that's not as not. Wealthy, but even still, do I need to be more wise or even mindful of how I spend my money or the perception of how what I have than maybe you do?
1: No, I, I think the the standards are the same. Okay. It's, it's just like you know, if, if you likened it to a tithe and said, "Well, you know, a guy who makes forty thousand dollars is going to he's going to tithe on the same principle as a guy who makes a hundred thousand dollars." Right. So it's the same principles applying. It's going to look different in how it's practically you know worked out you know but again I, I think that there is there is something unseemly about a guy who's in ministry for money who is lavish in his lifestyle um, that's so again we're really not talking, we're not talking uh, about, about, about those kinds of things but to recognize the blessing of god uh, with the ability perhaps to to have a home or to remodel a part of the home and you know my wife and i wrestled a, a few years ago about uh, you know, could we spend money, or should we spend money on expanding our home a bit? So we got we got some pricing on it, and it would be the kind of thing that would allow us to more easily host more people. I really, honestly, was the only reason for it was mm-hmm. to say when we have in our church we tend to have large families. So you know, if somebody comes to visit, like we have a new family over. They're probably going to have five or six kids, so you know you're going to have my family and their family, and so it's it's often 12, 13, 14 people when you say let's have a nice Sunday meal together, right? And to have a large enough table and a large enough room to be able to have that, and then to be able to maybe retreat somewhere where there's some seating where all of us can sit together and enjoy each other. Um, and so we looked into that, or should we perhaps look to buy a, a new uh, buy a house and maybe even to design something that's actually suited toward that. And at the end of the day, we wrestled through, and we saw what the numbers were going to be to do it, and, and we just thought, you know, we we do wrestle with that. Okay, well, that's going to affect our ability to give to other people. It's going to affect our ability to be generous. So we're going to say no to something. We could afford it, and we could do it, but right now we're going to say we're going to say no to that. Well, we did that based on other principles, not because we thought anybody in the church would look down upon us. I think they'd be encouraged and thankful, and 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 they would, you know, reap the benefits of it. But again, uh, but uh, what I didn't do and what I couldn't do is say, well, how will this look? You know, they're going to think they're paying me too much, and so uh, you didn't ask that. I didn't ask that question. No, because it, again, in my congregation, it's not it's not an issue. I've, I've i've had to deal with because of them i did have it you know probably somewhere just in my own conscience due to you know hearing stories and reading things and hearing certain sermons where you almost felt guilty uh i you know i i my home is a fairly modest home in in, by by a lot of louisville standards um it's it's not a new house, not a big house, not a fancy house, uh, but it's very adequate, it, mm-hmm. it, and, and it's been very comfortable, and we've been able to host hundreds and hundreds of people over the years uh, in our home, and, and so I'm, I'm I'm thankful for that. There have been times when I desired something more and thought it be it would look nicer and be nicer to have you know somebody come into a house that is more impressive and and, and all of that. So there's, you know, that danger on the other side too, almost like a pride thing and and wanting to be seen a certain way. Uh, But again, I think that idea that being so controlled by, either way, being so controlled by what other people think is a a snare and a trap that we need to be delivered from. And then Brian, I was going to say the other part of the issue real quickly is so while we on the one hand need to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of of what would so and so think and uh is the recognition that God's blessings are to be enjoyed mm-hmm. and that i believe that it brings god honor when when we receive a gift and we really enjoy it mm. so uh so whether it's like you know when when if my wife makes a meal that that maybe is just a little bit, it's a little bit, maybe it's new, it's a little bit different and everybody's going, Oh man, this is really, really good. You know, rather than the thank you, you know, we've had this before and it's good, but you know, we've had it dozens of times and we like it. But then you eat something and it's like, oh, wow, that's really, really good. Mm. That feels really good. When you give a gift to your spouse or to your child and it's obvious they love it and they're carrying it around and they're using it, that that honors you and it delights you. Mm. And if God gives you the ability to, again, maybe you've been driving for 10 years in a car that doesn't have air conditioning and there's there's... Uh, I, I can remember my pastor uh, from w- when I was in, in high school, and they got a they they got rid of their old car. They called Old Muddy, uh, mm-hmm. and Old Muddy got retired, and they got a new car. And his daughter said, "I will I forgot this." She goes, "It even has a radio." You know, she was <laughs> like that. Was that was so? This was like nineteen eighty or that's something big. like that. It even has a radio. You yeah, know, so yeah. that that's. We can rejoice in that, you know, and and so to be able to have something and say, you know what, God, thank you for this. And when you get into it, Lord, thank you for this sweet gift. It's so nice to have something that I, yeah. I I'm pretty confident it's going to start. It's not going to fall apart. I'm not holding my breath when we go on a vacation. It's comfortable. Uh, that's a blessing and not everybody in the world has it but god has given it to you and god has given us paul said you know to timothy all things to richly enjoy or to enjoy richly and either however you translate those words they they showcase the generosity of god and that our enjoyment of god's gifts brings him honor
0: so i, I appreciate you sharing that i'm 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 feel compelled to share uh, something out of my own story that's that's gone with this because about five years ago we lived over by the church for about the first 11 years we were there and because of some school changes we needed to make with our kids that was relocating the schools all the way on the other side of town we made a decision to sell our house move out of the area and move over to the the other side of town which is which is known as a as a as a more fluent area than mm-hmm. where, where I'm pastoring. Right. And I remember wrestling through that. We had a legit reason to do it because my wife was going to drive 500 miles a week getting kids back and forth to school. We was like, we can't do this. So we moved closer to the schools, and I was willing to drive a little further to get to the church. And legitimate reason to, to do this. It's why we were going to. But I remember wrestling with feeling the pressure of what some church members were going to think mm. when we moved to the more affluent area, we were actually moving into a a nicer house than we even had before. Yes. and and so I, there there's I felt the I felt the pressure. Sure. Of of what people were going to think, and again, it, it's it even it's a church that I feel loved at. It's just a church that that where I pastor. It's this area is its own subculture. And so there's there's cultural issues around when you move out of the area. Does, you know, what are right. you are you saying something in doing that? And there are all kinds of moving parts with this. And I remember wrestling with this and realizing, you know, this is what I need to do for my family. This is right, the right thing for me to do. And I, I'm I'm moving to a a nicer house, a, a bigger house, in in a in a, um, a little bit more of an affluent area. But that's what I needed to do for my family, and I and I was convinced the Lord wanted us to do this, but I had to wrestle through that. Right, I, I felt that pressure and and realized, to go back to the fear man issue that you've brought up rightly about this, is the solution was not me go to each of these church members I thought might have trouble with this and explain, oh, but not oh, well, I can afford we're, it. We, we really, can. Yeah, we, we're you know, going we're, we're to we're selling our really house for not, this. It's really
1: not that good anyway. And and this is the legit reason we're doing it. It's a smaller doing. house in that area. Yeah,
0: it's a fixer-upper, whatever oh, you right. want. To say. Uh, but I want to say that because it would be very easy, tempting to say, that's the solution in this. The solution was for me to pray, seek counsel, mm-hmm. and do what I feel like I need to do to care for my family and let people do and think whatever they need to think. Right. And that was a really helpful thing for me. It, it it made me face the fear of man that was clearly there. And the solution, which, by the way, the, we think the solution of fear of man oftentimes is go to try to address all the places that people are going to be judging or that we're afraid they're going to judge us and just accept that, that they may not like it, and that's actually okay if you're doing what you feel like you need right. to do. You don't,
1: right, you don't need to have a culturally imposed guilt uh, right. on you. You know, If you've broken God's law... Then then deal with your guilt biblically. But if you have let down a cultural expectation, then I think that's a whole that's a whole different uh, it's a whole different matter.
0: And by the way, I need to add to that, that that self-imposed that was a self-imposed pressure, more so than even what ended up happening. I mean, obviously people had questions on why we were moving further from the church, but but you know, we felt support supported and loved. I, I realized that a lot of that pressure was not because I was getting judgments from people, but it was a self-imposed. Yeah, of, you
1: were at least afraid of it. Who was going to judge right, me right, for this? Right, and so
0: exactly. So as we wrap this episode up, the my final word on this would be, you know, Pastor, if you're worried about this and and wondering where that line is of balance and be wise, seek counsel. You know, be wise in the in these things. But the most important thing I think is to try to be as aware as you can of how much you are being driven. By fear and fear of what other people think of you in doing this. This is about you being wise and a good steward of your money. Be generous with your money, but use it however you choose. How you and your wife or your family chooses to use it. If you let the church determine how you live and how you spend money and the perception of everything, well, one. You'll you'll fail at that, but two, you will steal the joy out of enjoying the things. I think that God wants us to enjoy. Final word for you on yeah, this. Yeah, so
1: term. I would say that live unashamedly and joyfully in the midst of God's good gifts to you, and 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 share those gifts, and, and share this, share them with your family. Let them know that God has blessed us in this, and He's given us. He may have given us this ability, and uh, to be unashamed and thankful uh, in that, I think, is is part of our, uh, our responsibility we have uh, as we receive good gifts from the hand of God.
0: I want to add one more thing, because we obviously have other people listening to this who aren't pastors. If you're like a church leader or even just a church member in your church, I believe it's a sign of health for a church to take care of their pastor well um, and to allow him to be able to live comfortably wherever they are. I think it's a sign of health in a church. To want to bless your pastor and to want to take care of them is a good thing. And so if you're a church member listening to this, I would challenge you to, to think about how, you know, that cliche exists for a reason. I want us to press against that. The pastor, I'm not talking about the pastor being rich and wealthy, any of those kind of things. I'm talking about taking care of him in a way that he doesn't have to sweat and every moment about how to pay basic bills in the church.
1: Right. And again, Brian, that gets down to, and we said this some years ago, but it's it's putting a high premium and a value on what happens when a man labors for the good of your soul. That mm-hmm. you value your soul, and you value what he does. I mean, you wouldn't think anything of uh, paying somebody. You, you, nobody, nobody says, oh, this brain surgeon shouldn't make that much money you value highly what they do or this guy who's involved in this high-end thing what you do as a pastor is of is of infinite value and and you and and when somebody has fed your soul and watched over your soul and loved you and cared for you and and for your family the thought that i i could in turn uh, do something to allow them to not have to you know think about a second job or a third job right. and some guys have to do that i did it you did it you know there were days when we did that when, because when the we church were, can't we're, do because it couldn't so do yeah more, that's, right? that's it wasn't legit. because they didn't want to right but they couldn't do more that's right and and, and so yeah, i think it's so that you can feel at ease with that I, I had a pastor friend say one time and it was rather stark. When he said it, but he's dead now, so I can just throw him under just the bus. Just go ahead and repeat it now. No. Yeah, he that's said, good. But somebody asked him one time, they say, they said, you know, well, well what do you get paid? And he said, you couldn't afford me in <laughs> regard to what of the value I have and what I do. Something to that effect of yeah. you all couldn't afford us. You know, if, if we got paid according to our value, you couldn't afford us. Hmm. And it was just a way to say, listen, don't, don't get so caught up in that. You yeah. know, I mean... uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, know, whether a pastor's salary exactly is put out in a published budget, uh, we have all our pastoral salary all lumped together. So Mm -hmm. it's like salaries are are lumped together. And so you can see these are split out among four men. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've been there the longest, and you know I do make more than the others. But it was embarrassing to have to go through that year by year because you make more than some and less than others. And some mm-hmm. people think, Oh, they really? I can't believe he gets paid that. And others would think, Wow, he should get paid a lot more than that. So yeah. you know, it's it's that some of that is going to come in. But you have to have a good conscience before God uh, in regard and enjoy God's good gifts as He gives them to you.
0: So let me pray to that end. Lord, would You help us to be wise with what You provide for us? Help us to be good stewards. Help us to be generous. Lord, we pray that you would help us to to fear you and being a good steward of what you give us more than fearing what other people think of what we do with it. We pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom to know our individual church contexts and situations, to know how to bless our people, uh, to know how to to live rightly and, and wisely, but to not be consumed with fear in these decisions. And Lord, help us to enjoy you and enjoy the things that you give us to bless us with. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen.